Wisdom from above, James chapter 3, and let's start, if you would, in verse 17. The Word of God says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Look at verse 18 again and ask the Lord to help you understand this verse before you leave today. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. That is the output of real wisdom. Okay? And right now you're probably like, "Ah, I'm not sure. As we make our way through this passage, ask the Lord to help you when you walk out of this place. We want to be people that are sowing peace and that are bringing about a fruit of righteousness. But just like we saw in chapter 1 of James, we have to ask for wisdom without wavering so that the Lord will deliver. Who's the wisest person you know? I don't mean smart, Alec. I mean the wisest. (laughs) How do you critique wisdom? Who's smart? If you got the highest score on your ACT, does that mean you're smarter than the other person? Who's smart? If you're able to work with computers and make things happen on a computer, does that mean you're smart? Who's smart? Can you weld your own barbecue cooker? If that's the case, I'm on the dumbest rung of the ladder. (laughs) What does it mean to be wise? What does it mean to be smart? How do you critique that? How do you decide, oh boy, so-and-so, they are just full of wisdom. And -and so-and-so, I don't think they really have a lot there. right? Especially when you're needing advice. Who do you turn to? Where do you go? Do you have a friend that you really trust? Or you're like, I I don't know, I just pray about it and go with it. (laughs) Today, I want you to think a little bit about how we critique what is wisdom. Because what we find, in a lot of cases, we find this, we don't realize it. The Bible speaks to that very thing. It tells us what real wisdom is, what it looks like, how it presents itself. And I think a lot of times we have our own worldly ideas of wisdom, which we're going to see some of those today. But the Lord is going to share with us what it really is to be wise. Is the wisest person the one who makes the most money or has the most success? Is the wisest person the one with the most friends or the most education? This is an old quote, Bernard of Clairvaux, but I thought it was pretty good. He says, there are those who desire to acquire knowledge for its own Value, and this is a base what? Vanity. You may know some people like this. Their desire is to acquire knowledge so that it just makes them feel better about themselves. Right? I love to know things so that I feel like I'm smart and I feel like I can, you know, really make my way in the world. Look at the second thing. There are others who desire to have wisdom to edify other people, and this is what? Charity. Melissa and Casey, Esther and Sintel, they have desired wisdom in a medical field, right? 
just so they could help themselves? No, so they could help other people, and that is ultimately what? It's love. It's charity, isn't it, right? And so I love there are people who are hungry to know things because they want to know them so they can help other people. That is a beautiful thing. But look at the third one. And there are others who desire it or desire wisdom so that they may be edified themselves, and this is wisdom. I desire wisdom so that I can know more about the Lord so I can be everything he wants me to be. Is that where you're at today? Are you seeking out that type of wisdom? Now, you remember what we talked about last week? How'd you do this week? Did you have any problems? Have any confrontations? Did you have one of those moments where you're like, oh, I did so good because if you knew it was in my mind, you'd be so proud of me what I didn't say. Right? Controlling the tongue, and we ended up saying last week, to control the tongue, you have to change the what? The heart. It's a heart matter. It's, it's such an incredible thing to me that we're going through the book of James. We're talking about controlling your tongue, and what it really is about is the gospel, isn't it, right? It's about when Jesus comes in and he invades and he changes, what comes out of your mouth is a wellspring of what's in your heart, and that's where it begins. Well, he's going to follow up this week at the end of chapter 3 about this idea of a heart change with real and true wisdom. And again, it's not about how smart you can sound, but if you hear me out this morning, it's all about what you do. Let's look down in verse 13, and James is going to share with us the idea of real wisdom, real wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. Does this sound familiar? Already in chapter 2, he was saying, you have faith, I have works, right? You can show me your faith, but I will show you my faith by my works. Real wisdom is not about what you can spout out, what you can memorize, what you can know. It is all about an applied knowledge and what you do with what you know. Everybody tracking with that? So I think it's very tempting in our setting a lot of times to add another knowledge type of event. And some of us, that's kind of our wheelhouse, and so that's why we do that, right? Let's do another Bible study. I understand Bible studies. I know how to put it together and outline. As I was showing Diane today, I don't even have to do that anymore. I can just throw it in the computer, and it'll all spit it out, and I don't, I don't even have to touch it. <laughs> we can talk about knowledge events. We can talk about more conferences. We can talk about more studies. We can talk about more Christian movies more Christian music, but what we really need for discipleship is action. You hearing the Lord today? You're going to grow the most when you are out trying to share the gospel with someone in a setting rather than sitting around a table. Now, do you need knowledge to get started? We're talking about applied knowledge. So you've got to have the knowledge in your mind, but if it only lives there all the time, it's not doing anybody any good. And so I want to challenge you folks that it shouldn't just be the ordained authority that's the one trying to minister, amen? And I'm proud of you folks. I mean, look, we got Teresa going into the jail, and we got Megan loving to work with Servant's Heart, Michael and the boys trying to go to Mexico. We have plenty of people doing tons of ministry that are not ordained, okay? But as we go out in ministry, that's where that wisdom's going to be applied, and that's where we're really going to grow. Real wisdom doesn't show itself by words or by arrogance, but by deeds. And I hope you like this word this morning. The word in the NIV was humility. 
but by meekness. What is meekness? Most power under control. Moses was one of the most meek men on the earth. You want to talk about power, how would you like to be able to walk up to a sea and say, okay, let's dry that part up today. Um, let's have the cloud come today. Tonight we'll have the fire come. Oh, you know what? By the, for the next 40 years, I'm going to make sure that every day you have enough food. I mean, these things were flowing out of Moses. They were from the Lord, but for the people's perspective, it looked like he was the one making it all happen. And did he go out about bragging how mighty and how incredible he was and how they should all fall down and make him king? No, he had that power, but it was under control. Will, real wisdom displays itself not in the, the, the large words or the fancy words or the fancy vocabulary. It displays itself in works of humility, deeds done in humility, right? People don't need to know what you know. They need to see that you're applying what you know for the Lord's good and for your good. I would challenge you this way, and I always like this. My dad would say something like this. He, he would admire people. He would call it this way. He would say they could take the cookies off the top shelf and put them down where I could eat them. And what he was saying is if somebody understands something so well that they can describe it in a way that even I can understand it, I think they really know what they're talking about. Right? You've probably all been around people who want to throw out words like the uh, eschatological reference in Revelation 19. You guys are talking eschatology today, right? Brother Rick, we're using all good theological terms this morning and really getting people together about uh, salvific-type terminology. We can throw around big words, right? The preacher's not even good at throwing about big words even when he tries. But there are people that can really flower things up, but do they really know what they're talking about? Have you ever been around someone who uses big words just to try to scam you? I wish Dasha was here today because I think her and I know both this to be true, some of you as well. There are some teachers... All you got to do is write out the big words, and they think you know. There was one teacher in college. I basically learned how to play the game with him. I would give him what he wanted, and he would give me an A. I didn't have a clue of what I was doing half the time. But what I knew to do was I knew how to give him what he wanted. Is that real wisdom? No. Some of you say, yeah, you got an A in the course. <laughs> no, that's not real wisdom, right? Again, real wisdom is about your applied knowledge. Don't impress me with your clever ideas, but be a doer of the word. Be obedient and follow through. That is wisdom, isn't it, right? Someone who follows through on what God tells them to do. This is kind of funny, but it's true. My brother at Camp, uh, Camp Hope in Illinois one time, he had something pretty funny happen to him. He was given the invitation after this really a sermon and powerful sermon on being a doer of the word and not being a hearer only. And when he, you have to know Tyler, sometimes he gets his words mixed up or he'll even make up words sometimes. And so what he was trying to tell the campers to do was to stand up out of their chairs and to come up for the invitation. But instead, he actually said it in a way that they thought he said for them to stand on their chairs. So my brother was praying the invitation, and when he looked up, he saw campers around standing on their chairs. Now that's kind of hilarious, but on the other hand, they heard the word and they obeyed, right? Think about Noah. You, you're going to do what? It's going to rain. What's rain and how long? And you want me to build a what? And you're going to have all these animals that... I'd rather stand on a chair, <laughs> right? Three Hebrew boys, 
you want us, when the whole congregation bows down, you want us to keep standing? Are you crazy? Do you know what that king will do? You know what the stories are of his furnace and how he, what he does to people? I, I don't, that just doesn't make any sense. You want me to what? Take my son up the hill and then you want me to build an altar and you want me to? I'm going to tell you this this morning. A lot of times people will try to say that God's will is always common sense, but I'm going to tell you it's not. Sometimes the Lord asks you to do things that just seem kind of strange. What we have to determine is, is it the Lord speaking or is it just us? But when you have confidence that the Lord is speaking, real wisdom is that you follow through and you obey in humility. Lord, help us to do those things. Help us to be sensitive enough to God's spirit that we can hear that it really is him speaking. All right, let's switch gears just a second. Let's look at worldly wisdom because James does speak about that. And you guys, we're experts probably on this part of wisdom, but let's go over it just in case. Verse uh, 14, James says, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition... There you find disorder and every evil practice. Now you guys can think about this with me. I think it won't take you long to think of some examples. Worldly wisdom has its source in pride and arrogance and results in bitter envy and jealousy and produces selfish ambition. I'm going to tell you, for me, where I have seen that is in the workplace. Right? people who they have a desire for wisdom just mainly so that they can gain for themselves sometimes so they can put down others but sometimes just they can gain for themselves and if other people get rewarded ahead of them all that exists there is envy and jealousy they desire wisdom so that they can possess more than the people around them worldly wisdom is about degrees it's about titles it's about self-promotion. It's about getting ahead, whatever the cost. Have you been around anything like that? Can I be careful here this morning with you too? Even in the church, the bigger, broad idea of the church, there are people who are bitter, and they're envious, and they're jealous, and they're title-seeking, and they're all about self-promotion. And that is worldly wisdom that's made its way into the church of Jesus Christ. And we need to call it out in our own hearts and for the people we're close to, we need to call it out in each other sometimes. Why are you desiring this? Is this so you can edify others? Is it so you can be edified yourself? Or is it just so you can make your way up some sort of ladder, right? Worldly wisdom surrounds itself with jealousy, envy, and selfish ambition. Let me give you a couple tests here maybe for you to think about. Can you rejoice in your coworkers or your teammates' success? Hmm? David and Jacob, you're going down the court, and you pass to your friend, and you're expecting to get the pass back, but instead they shoot it and they score. Do you celebrate with your friend? Or do you be like, man, if I'd have got the ball, I would have I dunked it. Right? Sometimes with our teammates and our coworkers, 
we do just that, don't we? Something good happens in their life, and instead of really rejoicing with them and celebrating with them, worldly wisdom kicks in, doesn't it? If I'd have had that opportunity, here's what I would have done. They should have recognized me. They didn't see what my part was in that, that thing. I was watching some NCAA tournament stuff this weekend, and you can see that you can see the guys that are just completely celebrating with their teammates. They don't care who scored, they just wanted to win. And you can still see some guys that are kind of like, hmm, man, if he, I'd have got the ball back to me, the guy from Kansas State last night, I love to watch him play. But I think he was thinking, man, why did I throw that to him? I should have kept that because I could have done it, right? How about your coworkers? How about your teammates? How about even your family? Why does my sister-in-law always get the good stuff? You ever think that way? Why does my brother, he always gets the good end of the deal? I was the firstborn, and Tyler's the one who gets to drive the boats all the time. He gets all the free food. He gets the free garden. Grandma dotes on him all the time, and here I am hours away. Why don't I get some recognition? You ever feel like that? That's worldly wisdom. And we're laughing and joking a little bit about it, but I'm going to tell you, over time, if you don't put it away, it will make your heart bitter. And it will drive you to selfish ambition, to where you're going to just desire for yourself to be promoted. That is not heavenly wisdom. Worldly wisdom is not something to boast about. It will conceal the truth if you let it. Worldly wisdom uses the truth only when it's to its advantage. So again, hear me out this morning. Talk that produces selfish ambition or strife or jealousy or boasting or lying. That is not from God, but rather it is from the world. And James here says it is unspiritual or it is sensual. It is carnal. It is of the flesh. You can tell worldly wisdom because initially it feels good. You know what I'm saying? Right? I was smarter than so-and-so. I should have got the credit. Here I did. Yes! And your body almost craves that. You're like, oh, yes, finally I got my recognition. And when you have that feeling, you know, like, "Uh uh-oh, that was my flesh being satisfied. That wasn't from the Lord. And that's how worldly wisdom displays itself. It is, and again, not my words. James says it is of the devil. Worldly wisdom is of the devil. And think again about this example. What do you know about the devil? Is he very smart? He's had a few thousand years to practice. He knows your personality inside out because he's seen it a billion times, actually probably 20 billion times. He knows how it works, doesn't he? Probably the, next to the Lord, the most intelligent creature ever created is Lucifer. And what happened? He let the arrogance enter his mind and his heart, and he became bitter and jealous and completely ambitious for himself. He is the perfect picture of worldly wisdom. And he would love for you to be the same. God says, don't seek worldly wisdom, seek heavenly wisdom. A good quote from Principal Denny of Scotland, you cannot at the same time show that Christ is wonderful and you are clever. I gave my mission report yesterday. It's good. Wasn't it good? Pat me on the back. I thought, yeah, I can't wait to give the next one. I'm just going to wow these people. You, you laugh, but does thoughts like that ever enter your mind when you have an opportunity? 
to present or to share. Or, like Vicki was scared to death day of public speaking, right? She's just like, get me out of this situation. But it's such a danger for people in leadership position or in any kind of teaching position to start to think, huh. Rick says, yeah, the PowerPoint went really good today. That was pretty good there, yeah. But Megan laughing at her dad for Megan. Come on, Megan, help your dad out. When we get in a ministry opportunity, same thing. We can go tap, boy, I helped 20 people today. I mean, you should have seen me praying with so-and-so. It was good. I know that was good. We can start to feed that flesh. I know we laugh a little bit, but seriously, it kind of enters our mind like, hey, I, I get my boxes checked today. God needs, he owes me something this week because I did something right. And that is the devil trying to work that worldly wisdom in you. And if you keep going down that path, envy, bitterness, jealousy, selfish ambition. You can't make Jesus beautiful and at the same time show how wonderful and clever you are too. Godly wisdom is humble. And we need the Lord's help to display that. Again, so what's the solution to all these things? Seek wisdom from above. Do it without wavering, like we saw in chapter 1 of James, and you can be sure that God will deliver. What did we talk about Wednesday night? The Lord, he is faithful, and he will do it. I want to say that a hundred (laughs) times. That hit me so clear. I'd never seen it that clear like I did Wednesday night. The Lord is faithful, and not he can do it, or he might do it, or he should do it. The scripture said, he will do it. We see it here again. If you will ask in faith without wavering, God will give you wisdom. You can bank on it. It's a promise, right? So let's look at heavenly wisdom briefly this morning. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all what? It is pure. Think about that this morning. Then it is peace-loving. Then it is considerate. Then it is submissive and full of mercy and good fruit impartial and sincere peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. That's another promise right there, verse 18. Again, real wisdom comes from fearing the Lord. You guys know your Proverbs. Real wisdom doesn't come from man at all. Its source is from above. Look just briefly with me, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Who is the source of truth? The Lord is. I was doing a seminar yesterday, and you guys in our school environment, we are really becoming overwhelmed with AI. It's just coming so fast that we are we're really not sure what to do with all this artificial intelligence. There's new tools out. One of them's called Chat GPT. If you ever hear a GPT, it's a generative predictive text. And what happened to be real simple is the kids at school back in November found this awesome tool. It's a machine learning tool, and the teacher would say, "Um, I need you to give me an essay on the Civil War and Lincoln, whatever. So they type into the chatbot, and the chatbot is actually creating the essay. It's not a copy of somebody else's essay. It is writing it, and it can write it in different voices. It can write it at different grade levels. It's incredible what it does, but what do you think the kids were doing? David and Jacob are already thinking, man, how can I do that this week, right? They're like... Hey, and so we were finding out immediately I had high school deans reaching out to me like, I want, to, I want you to block this first, and then I want you to know who's trying to use it because we're going to nail them. <laughs> but it's like any technology. When electricity first came out, what was Edison doing? He was telling everybody else, AC current will kill people. Don't use it because he was doing DC, right? 
People in churches initially were what? Oh, we don't want any lights in the church. The lights are of the devil. Now, when they said the sound system was of the devil, they might have been right in that one. But air conditioning, right? Technology. These are all technology. The Internet, when it first came out, oh, no, it's all going to be horrible. And there's some horrible on the Internet, amen? But are some people doing some good with the Internet? Yeah, it's incredible. This is the same thing. This AI stuff is just scary and crazy, but there's also some potential there, but we need to understand it. But I follow that up for this reason. The purpose behind the AI is to give you what you want. Who's the source of truth behind the AI? Ultimately, it's you. I'm going to tell you, that's kind of scary. Who's the source of truth behind this? It's the creator. Amen? Real wisdom comes from the Lord. And so we've got to be able to detect where that stuff is coming from. If it's just me feeding myself what I want to hear, that's not good. But if it's coming from the Lord, I know I can, I can depend and trust in that. Again, that's going to take a spiritual mind. Okay, I'll try to hurry up here. You guys bear with me. First of all, real wisdom is what? It is pure. If your first thought, like we talked again about Wednesday night, is cynicism, if it is skepticism, if it is deceit or a challenging someone's motive that you think, oh, no, they can't be thinking right, your heart's probably not where it needs to be. Real wisdom first is pure. And then real wisdom second is what? Is it ambitious? Is it jealous? Is it envious? (laughs) Real wisdom is about peace. It makes peace. There's a, a quick tell right away. If you are seeking something from the Lord and all of a sudden it's con- creating a bunch of strife and contention, you better check that. Because if it's, again, about your improvement, your betterment, your selfish ambition, that's not the right track. Real wisdom is peaceable. It produces peace. Rather than contention, it produces and invites uh, peace around it. Real wisdom is gentle. Remember, use that word meek, Right? Meekness, gentle, power, and control, they all fit together. Real wisdom is not me about me putting on a show about how wonderful and smart I am. It's about humility. Real wisdom is easily entreated, or as the NIV has, submissive. What? Yeah, Brother Michael, I know you want to do it that way, but let me correct you here. Let me fix this for you. Travis, you don't know nothing about this. Go sit down. Ray, I need to talk to you about this. I don't, I don't think you're going about it quite the right way. Let me fix this for you. Who is he to? Real wisdom is entreatable. It's submissive. That's hard, isn't it, right? Who are you to tell me? And the scriptures say real wisdom is entreatable. It's easily accessible. It's not such a person on a pedestal that can't, people can't come and talk and, and know Real wisdom wants to, to be shared, amen? That's an interesting thought about the idea of it being entreatable. I think that's really good. Will, real wisdom is full of what? Mercy. Again, the contrast of sacrifice and mercy, right? Real wisdom is not me showing you, oh, I gave up this, oh, I did this, oh, here are all of the things that, that I'm about, me, 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 me. Real wisdom is about mercy showing to other people. Again, I hope you guys, this is not my words. Are you looking in the text today? This is the word of the Lord. Real wisdom is full of mercy. Real wisdom produces what? The fruit of the Spirit. It is, again, about 
fruit production. It's not about word production. It's about action. It's about real change. Real wisdom avoids the pitfalls of partiality and prejudice. Hmm, Has James already talked about that? We already hit that again earlier in chapter 1, didn't we, right? We know that these were a problem in the church. Real wisdom is not about these things. Real wisdom is sincere or it is not hypocritical. It says and does the same thing. And parents and grandparents, can I beg you today, pray for real wisdom in the life of your family so that you can be the same person at home, at work, and in church. That's what we need. We don't need a bunch of people that fake it at church and they're different throughout the week. Real wisdom is not hypocritical. Here's the promise today. Wise people are able to live and breathe in peace. (laughs) They're not full of ambition and envy and jealousy and bitterness. They're actually full of peace. And again, if you'll hear the word of the Lord today, people who work and labor and toil and sow in peace, they will produce godly, righteous fruit. That's the promise. Their faith will show itself in good works. And again, notice the connection between wisdom and peacemaking. It brings righteousness. Or if you'll bear with me this morning, right decisions come along with real wisdom. Should I take this job? Should I date this person? Should I um, reach out to this specific need? Real wisdom is what guides in all those things, and it results in fruit. Again, in so many ways, real wisdom is making the right decisions. All right. Finally, here to wrap it up this morning. Proverbs 16, 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold to get insight rather than silver? I got 10 grand right up here. And I have some wisdom right over here. What do you want? Well, can I do both? That would really be wise, right? Think about all the decisions you make in your life that are based upon the coin or the dollar. Are you hearing the Lord today? I make way too many choices based on letting money dictate what I think is right and wrong rather than really seeking the wisdom of God. Lord, help me not to strive for the money because how much better to get wisdom than gold insight and silver. Amen? Let us crave the wisdom of God, okay? Again, in a culture that strives (laughs) all about money, God reminds us wisdom's better than gold. Are you chasing after worldly wisdom or wisdom that comes from above? Are you pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere? I can tell who's wise. There's the test right there, isn't it? You looking for advice from someone? Look for those qualities in a believer, a brother or sister. Someone that's exhibiting those things, I want them in my life. If I have questions, I want to go to them. Somebody that says they know all kinds of things about God, but they're always jealous and they're not considerate and they're always on a pedestal and they're not bearing fruit, they don't have wisdom, even though they may appear or talk like they do. This is our goal. It comes through God-given wisdom in Jesus Christ. If any of you lacks wisdom, James 1, 5, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given.